right. We are back, and uh, man, it is really good to have Christopher Durr back on the podcast. Chris has been a uh, a friend of the Golf Guide podcast slash program for, I mean, years now. I mean, I, I don't even remember the first time that we had him on the pod, Chris. I know, I think I was on the No Gimme's podcast at first. I do recall getting a message from Chris while I was on vacation in Spain in like the summer of 2017 from this guy being like, hey, man, like I was checking out some of your stuff. I, I like your podcast. Can we do something together? And I was like, uh, yes. Like, first of all, anybody that listens to the podcast is a friend of mine, so let's fucking go. And then here we are three years later, still buds, you know, like playing golf with this guy, I like podcasting with this guy, Christopher Durr. It, it, it's a pleasure to have you back, my friend. It's always a pleasure to be on. That is true. I forgot about that little caveat. I was uh, That was when I was working, before I was working, oh, hold on a second, 2017. I think I think you were at Presidio. Presidio. Yeah, you were working yeah. at Presidio as a system pro at the time. Exactly, and I put all my year, my year of SDR work to good use and started sending out cold emails and cold calls to anybody who would be willing to come on the podcast or anybody that I liked, anybody that I was into, you know? I was just like, man, I got to get – I want to talk to as many golf nerds as possible because I can't believe there's so many out there. And lo uh, and behold, dude, we are now friends and play golf in real life together yeah. and do podcasts together. Everything's great. Yeah, man. I got uh, This is awesome. And not on top of that – not only to talk golf together, we get to talk about the Masters together. And if I'm not mistaken, this is not our first Masters preview podcast together either. I believe we did something similar to this in 2019 and perhaps 2018 as well. This is starting to become somewhat of a tradition, even if it's not taking place in early April. I enjoy coming on to talk about majors, and I feel like that's been a thing for us. I feel mm-hmm. like we talk a lot. Of, we get a lot of we hash out a lot of good major conversation on this podcast and Absolutely. I'm always appreciative for the opportunity. Absolutely. And you know and and here, you know, in podcast form, you know, we get to do it, you know, we get to take our time, anything we want to hit, you know, we can talk about a little different than when our buddy Joe Shasky has us on uh, on 95.7, you know, on the radio station in the Bay Area to do some of the previews that uh, you and me come on and do for him, which I don't know if you know this, it's going to be a little different this year cuz Joe is no longer doing that evening show. Do you know he's the uh, the morning show like host now of that radio station, him and like a couple of people host the 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. like drive time show. That's awesome. Good for him. I did not know Joe yeah. uh, got a promotion, but good for him, man. Yeah. He's incredible. One thing that Joe does that we both suck at, frankly, like not to throw you under the bus, but no, not at all. He's so good at keeping us moving. Yes. Like you and me will just be like, tangent, tangent. This is fun. I love talking to my bud. And Joe's like, hey, bud, like, listen, we need to talk about this right now and this right now and this right now. I like, I like how you complimented Joe about how he doesn't go on tangents as we're in the middle of going on a Joe Shasky tangent in, the, in like 30 seconds into our podcast. <laughs> yeah, see? See what we're doing? This is, is kind of what happened. Oh, man, it's awesome. By the way, Joe, if you're listening, man, stoked to talk golf with you here pretty soon, brother. You know, if we, if we get a chance to talk the Masters before next week, awesome. But you know what? Right now. Mr. Durr, we're going to talk Masters right now. We're recording this on a Friday night. It's about 6.30 Friday night, the weekend before the Masters. And it's it's weird to say, man, I, I still, I don't know about you. Usually a week before the Masters, I am out of my mind. It's like the where my, where my golf fandom hits an absolute fever pitch, right? And that week before the Masters and before it gets started. And while I am really excited for this year's Masters, because of the timing and given everything that's going on, just both like in the country with COVID and elections and all this stuff, I get, I, I feel like I haven't really been able to get dialed in as excited as I normally would be. And it wasn't until this very moment right now, seeing you through my computer screen, where I'm like, my guy is here. We're ready to talk some golf. And I, I'm starting to get excited right at this very moment. Everybody is hearing my voice 
getting a little slightly slightly higher right now on the podcast and i'm starting to get juiced man i have you had an opportunity to get sufficiently juiced for 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 this tournament coming up or have you kind of been in the same same kind of mode that i've been in definitely a very similar mode i don't think i've been yeah for some reason the masters in april just seems so like my 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 like body clock is just lined up with that, right? Like I, exactly. I start thinking about it like February, I start thinking about it, March I get all hyped on it, and then like April rolls around and I'm just like exploding with excitement. Where like right now it just feels a little bizarre, right? Like November totally. feels odd. The PJ Tour season seems odd. It just seems like it seems like we're just going through it. But I know that once it starts on Thursday or once you start like on Wednesday when I start seeing live from the golf channel, people hitting on the range and everything, and I'm I, I know I'm just gonna start to get really, really excited. And there's a couple things specific to like the November masters that I think once I see them will really get my excitement going. Like I just want to see what, it, what does Augusta look like in the fall? I like fall more than spring. So I hope it looks totally. completely different. If there's orange in the trees, dude, or red in the trees, I'm going to lose it. Yeah, man. I was to say this, uh, I actually don't totally know what to expect from like a visual standpoint. I mean, I can only assume that there's going to be a lot more fall, you know, colors and foliage, you know, based on obviously it being fall, but there, there is some serious potential for this broadcast to pop on TV. Like it, it could look so good. I, I'm trying not to get ahead of myself because I know that we're and we're going to talk about it, there's some weather stuff that could you know be coming into play. And so who knows? I'm, I'm trying not to get too excited, um, you know, in terms of that aspect of it. But I, I think we're in for a pretty enjoyable couple of days of golf, man. Especially, I mean, anytime the best players in the world are trying to navigate themselves around Augusta National. It's gonna make for some good theater because the golf course is just so goddamn good that it, it it forces guys to do things that they're not normally doing. It forces them to hit putts that they don't hit anywhere else on tour. Um, it's just you know it's it's gonna be some riveting theater, my man. Agreed wholeheartedly, dude. I'm very excited. Yeah, for sure. So all right, we, we got a couple things we want to go over today, uh, Mr. Durr. So we're gonna hit some player news, uh, a couple a little nugget that I want to touch on and get your two cents on. Uh, a couple storylines that we're looking forward to. I know you've got some odds. Uh, odds for us that we're going to go through. We're going to look at a couple guys that we think are uh, are going to be doing well coming up here. You you got any preference where uh, where you want to start this thing off at? I'm going to let you drive the ship wherever okay. you want to go. I'm ready. We can do. I think odds at the end will make the most sense. Yeah. But uh. But yeah. Wherever you want to drive the ship, man. I'm I'm ready. Okay. Perfect. So let's start with some player news. And um. So unfortunately, the first one that we're going to start off with is kind of some shitty news. Uh, the 41st ranked golfer in the world, according to the official World Golf Rankings, is a 21-year-old Chilean by the name of Joaquin Neiman, who unfortunately uh, is waiting, has been waiting how long to play in the Masters, and then a week beforehand uh, test positive for COVID-19 and has been forced to withdraw from the tournament. I am personally really, really bummed about this because I love watching Joaquin Neiman. I think he is great for the sport, and for someone like him to get, you know, basically waiting however long to play in this Masters tournament now, and all of a sudden this is the time that he gets uh, this shitty virus that's basically just crippled the entire planet for the last like six seven months. It this this sucks, man. I I, I don't know. I mean, it, I feel like every other sports program is talking about like, oh, if someone can't play because of COVID. It, it's a storyline that none of us really want <laughs> to hear anymore. But I mean, do, do you have any other thoughts on uh, on Walking Neiman? You know, his golf game, what he's been doing so far this year and kind of what, what the field might be like without him. It's sad. You knew it was going to happen to somebody, right? It was yep. one of those things where you're just like waiting for it to drop and you know that it's coming and you're praying and hoping that it's not going to happen. But like it's almost inevitable for us to have gone this long without that happening. And the fact that it happened to Joaquin bums me out because I love watching Joaquin play. He's got great hands, good short game, putts well. 
Um, and he just, I don't know. He's just fun to watch too. I enjoy Super watching him watch. hit the golf ball. So yeah, bummer that he, bummer that he tested positive for COVID. I didn't know that actually. You're like, Adam, you're breaking news for me oh, really? right now. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm sorry to do that to you. Yeah. Cause the crazy thing is, you know, I mean, this, this is something that obviously could have happened to any golfer. And the thing that we've learned about this virus is like, you can be super, super cautious, be doing everything right. And somehow still just get really unlucky and just have it, you know, just get it. Um, and you know, we're only what, like one or two weeks away from a Dustin Johnson and Adam Scott. I mean, those guys are just now, you know, recovering from their, you know, from when they had COVID. I mean, you push any of those guys back two weeks and they're not playing in the Masters either. So, I mean, with us recording this podcast, you know, six days before the tournament is set to begin, the shitty news is that it is possible that there's going to be more of these coming down the pipeline, especially with shit going down all over America and all over the world right now with you know, things going on. But yeah, man, it sucks. I, I was really, of all the young guns, Joaquin Neiman is one of one of the guys that I was most looking forward to watching uh, at Augusta this year. So it it's it's shitty, man. It it really stinks. Um, yeah, I don't I don't really have anything else to add unless you got some. What was so I'm looking it up right now. Sorry, but no, no, what, you're good. like he's played. I know he played in the Masters as an amateur. Yes. Uh, and I feel like it takes people a couple years to figure out how to play Augusta, and you can. It's really actually evident in people's. Like scoring averages and how they do and how they play it, right? So right. it seems, I don't know if this was going to be the year that he was going to figure it out, but it's just all the more young people that you can get out, young players that you can get out there playing the Masters, especially when they're playing at a high level and playing well and like starting to actually move and shake within the world of golf. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just a bummer to have that robbed from you. Like we said, we knew it was going to happen. Like it's Im- impossible for us to have gone this whole Masters week or whatever without it happening. And it's just a bummer to see it happen to like a, a future star, right? Yeah. Or like a young star. Like, not to say that it would have been better if it happened to somebody else, but like, it's just, it sucks. Cause I think Joaquin, I don't know if he would have won or finished top 10 or anything, but he definitely would have done something cool yeah. and made a run or have been there. Like, I don't think he would have fizzled out. He's yeah. not one of those players that seems like he was going to miss the cut and shoot 80. Yeah, no doubt, man. And he's, uh, and, and like you said, he's got all the skills that one needs to, uh, to, to, to be pretty successful at Augusta. So the, the good news, if, if you're looking for a silver lining for Joaquin, uh, he should get another crack at Augusta in five months. He's not going to have to exactly. wait the full 12 months like he normally would if something were to happen and he'd have to withdraw. So that if we're looking for a silver lining, we got we got one there. Um, I don't know I don't know why it is that I feel like international players do very well at Augusta, but I don't feel like they win very often, right? Like if you look at the past winners, it's a lot of Americans, but there's always a very international and diverse leaderboard, and it, I think it, a lot of it has to do with their short games. Yeah, I don't know why, but I feel like people from outside of the U.S. focus less on ball hitting and more on getting it in the hole, which, you know, there's no argument for what's better or worse, but I think Joaquin is one of those guys that, like, those types of skills get showcased really well at Augusta. Um, yeah, it's just a bummer that we're getting robbed of that. Yeah, it, that's a really interesting point, actually, you make, because, I mean, I know Augusta, when it was built, you know, it, it was meant to be kind of like, you know, a Lynx course, right? Because Bobby Jones loved all the courses back in Scotland, hired Alistair McKenzie, a Scotsman himself, to basically design a, a Lynx kind of course, you know, that played firm and fast and like had those big greens and stuff like that. And so I wonder if the guy, the international guys that grow up on Lynx golf courses just feel a little more at home on a track like Augusta, even though it doesn't really play like that anymore. Obviously, it's no no Lynx golf course in the world is that green. Let's, let's just be honest. In fact, no golf course Anywhere is that green, right? Right. So it's like there's yeah. there, there's not you know there are some the linksy aspects of Augusta are you know are not all still intact. But I wonder if that at least plays some element, right? And having those like really wild greens with lots of contours, 
big, you know, green surrounds and, you know, you know, a lot of short grass around, you know, in the green complex. It's just, I don't know, maybe that's part of the reason why a lot of, uh, a lot of foreign players tend to feel a little more comfortable there. It's just, just a guess. I think it's a good guess. Yeah. Um, all right. Next order of business. I, th- there's a gentleman that has been making a lot of headlines lately. I don't know if you heard about this guy named Bryson DeChambeau. Uh, has been talking about using a fucking 48-inch driver at Augusta. Christopher, have you heard about this? I have. <laughs> I'm so I'm so scared. I'm so scared. He's gonna just <laughs> annihilate the field. So th- didn't Jack Nicholas say this week that he that Bryson, the way he's hitting it, technically could drive the first green? And I I hope he doesn't. But if he rolls out on Thursday morning and drives the first green, or Thursday whenever his tee time is, and drives the first green, then the whole world is essentially put on watch that we're watching. It's Bryson's to win. And if he doesn't win, that'll be an epic story. And if he does win, that'll be an epic story. So I can't fault, not that I can't fault that, but that would be very, very exciting because yes. it's it's the whole, all the buzz in the world is around him and he's got potential to do something crazy, right? And and I think he's he's rightfully the favorite. And I think it's a very real possibility to see him win, uh, see him win in, eight days i think it's or 10 days or nine days it's very it's a very real possibility for sure man and, and the thing is like so just to you know uh clarify for all the listeners out there he hasn't confirmed that he is for sure going to have the 48 inch driver in the bag for the masters he's just alluded to it that it's definitely a possibility but there's there hasn't been as far as i've seen a confirmation that he's for sure going to have it in the bag and this is actually a two-player little news update because we're, we're going to go back we're going to talk two players right now because Bryson's talking about putting a 48-inch driver in the bag. And then there's all this this other guy. Uh, maybe you've heard of him. He does have three green jackets. The last one he won a decade ago. Uh, he, he hits left-handed. Uh, his name is Philip. Uh, last name Mickelson. And Phil is talking right now. He's already put it in the bag for a Champions Tour win. All right? So this guy has already put it in the bag in competition. Phil is talking and said, you know what? I'm not quite as extreme as Bryson. That whole 48-inch driver thing is some that, that that's some crazy shit, all right. That that's just a young a young kid, you know, just doing his thing, trying to be brash. But you know what? I'm gonna be a little bit more measured, and I'm gonna put a 47 and a half inch driver in my bag for Augusta. <laughs> that's that wily old veteran. Dude. He knows what he's doing. I can't, dude. I can't imagine. I would put. I'd. I honestly. I'd honestly bet the house on Phil missing the cut. I think there's <laughs> no way. And I can't even. I don't even think he's gonna break 75, dude. I bet you he shoots. I bet you he shoots 80. <laughs> yeah, it's completely possible. Completely. Dude, possible. he shot like 77, 77 at the Houston Open, man. With a, and he had to hole out on the 36th hole right. in order to just not be double digits over par. Well, didn't he I, make him like an 8 on the par 3 or something today or like the 12 or whatever it was? Like it's just, I'm not sure. I didn't look at his card, but I just like, dude, I mean, he's just like, he just can't, he just can't keep up. Can't, can't keep up with well, the young boys, dude. So here, here's a little interesting nugget. When I was doing this research on this Phil 47 and a half inch driver thing, I found out that even before he started experimenting with this, He's been using a 46-inch driver in his bag for, like, the last, like, year plus. You know, when he's been talking about hitting these bombs and hellacious seeds and everything else like that that he's doing, like, he has been using a driver that's an inch longer than stock the whole time anyway, which I found to be a little surprising because I I was under the impression that most tour guys were using drivers that were, like, 44 because they hit the ball so fucking far anyway that's, like, they'd rather take the the inch off because they're still going to bang at 300 yards and have a little more control. Am I... I don't, again, I, I'm not that, in the but, I'm not in the trucks, and I'm, I'm not. But I mean, does that sound right to you? 
Yeah. Well, and yes, because remember Phil when he, I don't know if it was in 04 or 06 or somewhere in those mid to early 2000s. Remember he put two drivers in play at Augusta. Yeah, one, one for a and, fade and one for a draw, and he fucking won in 06. And, one, and then the and then the so the fade one was longer. The fade huh. one was like 47 inches because he just felt like he could just cut it and it would still go far. Was the whole thing. So he could cut it on 13 and 15 and all the holes that you need to out there. So. I mean, yeah, it makes sense that he's doing it. I just, he just not, he's just not as good as he used to be. He's perfect for the Champions Tour. He's he's going to dominate the Champions he Tour. He is for racking years years the senior citizens on the on the Champions Tour right now. He's absolutely getting I, after it. I honestly hope he wins his first. Like, I think it'd be so cool if he won his first ten starts on the Champions Tour. Yeah, he's two for, for sure. two. Yeah. I'm. I would. I honestly would rather see Phil win ten Champions Tour events in a row than see him contend in the Masters this year. <laughs> Man, that is that is that is a delightfully hot take. That 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 is some caliente stuff right there. That that is beautiful. Um, well, so it's gracefully, sir. Well, here's the thing, which is crazy, is because so Phil was talking a little bit about this, and I'm assuming the same applies to Bryson, right? Because because basically Bryson played a practice round at Augusta in the last week, and the people that were there were talking about some of the the clubs that he had into greens, which is just nuts. And and then Phil actually gave a, a more extended interview, kind of about you know. For having the long driver and basically if you can carry it 315 to 320 how much it opens up the golf course because basically his example started with number one right because you were talking about bryson possibly driving the green on one from the master's tees it's 455 right and it's not necessarily downhill so like driving the green i i honestly don't know that that seems a little far-fetched to me but what phil was talking about is listen man you know let's say on number one you've got a couple options right you either hit the three wood Right and 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 basically take that bunker out of play, but then you're going to have a mid iron and you're going to have a you know six iron you know f- you know something like that in, and all of a sudden you're just hope hoping for par right, or you could take driver left of the bunker where it narrows up a little bit, and if you're just hitting at the normal you know two eighty to three hundred flight, yeah you're going to have a short iron like an eight iron nine iron, but it's still a tough shot. If you can all of a sudden bring a three fifteen carry into play, and you can carry the bunker on the right hand side of one, then you have a flip wedge in. And with a flip wedge, you feel so much more confident about able to stick it inside 10 feet and make birdie. And there's cases all over that golf course that he said he's been studying where a, a drive that carries 315 compared to 300 basically puts a wedge in his hands where he would have a mid-iron and like four or five different spots in the golf course. So for him, he's like, listen, if I can carry it 315, all of a sudden holes that you're just thinking make par better, those become birdie holes. And if you can convert on two or three of those, then all of a sudden, man, we're talking you're dropping three, four, five strokes a day, you know, if you can do it, and all of a sudden that's you're winning the tournament. And I'm like, well, when you put it like that, it makes a lot of sense, but that's also assuming you don't make eights on par threes and you don't, you know, four putt and do all the other kind of shit that like, because the same thing goes for Bryson in that, you know, Bryson, if he's playing this long driver and he's hitting the ball a country mile, that's all well and good, and he could have some short, you know, some short irons in there, but... The thing about Augusta is you still got a putt, man. And for Bryson, and this is something we'll get into a little bit with the betting odds, but nobody on tour relies on their green reading book more than Bryson DeChambeau. And, oh, by the way, Augusta National and the Masters is the one tournament a year where players are not allowed to use green reading books. So it's one of those things where Phil at least knew how to putt and could putt without one. Bryson I don't know about. So we'll, we'll see if that nullifies the, all these distance gains that these guys are talking about, and it's—I don't—I thought it was an interesting way that Phil put it, and how he's kind of dissected the golf course, 
and trying to figure out where that extra 15 yards of carry can really benefit him. Does that seem like a load of bullshit to you, or does that actually seem like something that could lead you know to Phil or Bryson, you know, contending and winning this thing? I think it. I don't think it doesn't sound like BS to me at all. I think there's a lot of validity in that. And then one thing to kind of bolster that point a little bit for Bryson. So Bryson's smart, cerebral. He's going to know where to miss it, where not to miss it. It's golf. So, you know, sometimes you're going to miss it in the wrong place. That's just the name of the game, right? But if Bryson is hitting his driver well and is giving himself a lot of flip wedges, one of the knocks that a lot of people have on Bryson's game because he putted lights out at the U.S. Open and drove the ball lights out at the U.S. Open. For sure. And everyone always says, they're like, oh, well, his wedges are just average, right? Well, his wedges are just average on PGA Tour setups where you need to be really precise. Like, if it's 61 yards, you need to fly it 61 yards, right? right? And you see Bryson hit a lot of ones that are like, I mean, that's a hard shot, a little 60-yard, like, half wedge. It's a very touchy-feely shot. You see Bryson hit a lot of those to, like, you know, 10 or 12 feet, Uh which is good, but not great, right? And I think there's more room for Bryson to hit those touchy-feely wedge shots super close at Augusta because if you are driving it in the right spot, uh, you have contours to help you. So all of a sudden, that 61-yard wedge shot becomes a wedge shot that Bryson doesn't have to hit 61 yards, right? He can hit it, whatever, anywhere between 60 and 65, but as long as it's right of the pin, it's going to take that slope and funnel down towards the hole, and it'll have you know, between three and six feet up the hill for birdie, depending on, you know, whatever, just depending on the, the, the shot. So I think that, I think that, yeah, I think if Bryson is hitting his driver good and it gives himself literally three or four more wedges around from very close, I think even though he relies a lot on his green book, if he's hitting it, even if he's hitting it like four, three or four feet closer than his normal proximity or his average proximity on tour right now, mm-hmm. that to him is going to feel like a mile closer to the hole, right? He's going to be like, oh my God, like the wedges, all my wedges this week are inside 10 feet. It's crazy, you know? Like, and that will bolster his confidence, which will then bleed into hitting more bombs, which will lead into making a few more putts. So I think it's, Dude, I honestly think it's Bryson's to lose. Like it's 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 Bryson's to lose, dude. Yeah. It really is. It really is. And especially with no fans, no grandstands, there's less things in the way. You can actually really just go hard on the fat side of whatever hole you need to be, right? And if you can carry all the trouble and carry all the trees and everything, then yeah, who cares if he hits like a 30-yard hook or something that's like there's no rough to penalize him. He's just going to have Instead of a 60-yard wedge shot, it'll have a 100-yard wedge shot, but the angle is going to be equally as good as it would have been if he hit it in the right, right spot in the fairway. So it's, I don't know, man. I think I think there's very high potential for us to see some, Bryson do something really, really special, and I don't particularly want to see it. He's not the guy that I want to see win, <laughs> but at the same time, if he does it by you know, never hitting more than a pitching wedge into any green, then that's going to be pretty cool to watch. Interesting. So serious question for you, Bryson-related. If you had to describe Bryson DeChambeau as a nerd or a dork, which one do you think more accurately describes Bryson? He's a dork. He's a dork because he's trying For to be sure. everything to everybody, dude. He's like, I don't know if you guys know this, but I drink hella protein shakes. I don't know if you guys know this, but I lift hella weights. I don't know if you guys know this, but I'm like an OG golfer who wears the Ben Hogan hat because I respect the history of the game. I don't know if you guys know this, but I'm young and windmate. Like, he just is always trying to be... He is constantly Some, trying to prove how fucking intelligent he is to everybody all the time. Like, who is Bryson? Like, do you know? Like, can you get anything? Like, I don't know who Bryson is. 
I have no. no idea who he is. He's always trying to like make me believe something or like always trying to like give me the answer that I want. Like I know exactly who JT is. Like JT's just a guy from Kentucky who's really good at golf, who likes to drink beers with his friends, plays golf for fun, has a dad who was like a PGA pro, like is like I don't know, you just you just I feel like I just know JT more because he's not trying like when JT plays bad, he says he plays bad. When he plays good, he says he plays good. When he feels like he should have won and didn't, he's pissed and is like, dude, I choked that one away, right? Like where Bryson, you'd never hear Bryson say that, right? Bryson would be like, well, and if he choked one away, Bryson's going to be like, well, it's because the wind changed and like the spritzer on my ball was not the same. Like he, yeah. he'll make some excuse, you know? So, uh, so yeah, I I, can't, I already forgot the question. Oh, no. dork, nerd or dork? Yeah, he's a dork for sure. He's not yeah. a nerd. He's a dork. He's yeah, a dork. If he, if he didn't have so much money... I would be betting that like Bryson was like still looking for his first like legitimate lay. Like he seems like the kind of guy that if he didn't have so much money, his only time, you know, with the woman would have been like when the 47-year-old divorced bartender in the clubhouse was getting off her shift after a few too many. Saw Bryson, you know, walking up the 18th, I was like, "Listen, kid, get over get over my uh, get over my Fiesta over here. Meet me in the back of the parking lot." You know, that's that seems like the kind of thing that, that the only luck that Bryson would have had in his love life to this point if he wasn't so goddamn rich. First things first, don't knock that till you try it. Second thing second, hey, yeah. Hey, that's hey, very I, I speak true. from experience, bro. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> that's very true, though. Like he, he, yeah, he doesn't. He's just, I don't know. He doesn't have any redeeming qualities, and it, it also could be something where he's not trying to show them to me. For some that, that is that, that is totally true. That that, that is a hundred percent accurate. Like you know, if that is it, I wouldn't understand why you would take that route. But at the end of the day, dude, I hold the right to reserve. Like I reserve the right to have my opinions and. Uh, he's a dork, dude, and I hope he doesn't win unless he wins by doing something incredibly amazing and history-breaking because sure. yeah. then that would be fun to watch. I just want to see greatness. I, I prefer to see greatness from somebody else, but as, if, if Bryson's going to win, as long as he does it in, and does something amazing that's like really memorable and awesome to watch, I will be okay with it. Um, so a, a couple other a, a note here for Bryson and then for Phil, actually, before we move on to storylines here. Um, so... Bryson, as I mentioned, played a practice round at Augusta, you know, uh, in, in the last week or two. And on a couple holes, this is what he had into a few holes. So we talked about number one. He had a, uh, a wedge, I believe, either sandwich or pitching wedge into one. Uh, number three, you know, the shorter, like three, was it 340, slightly uphill par four? Yep. Um, hit, th- uh, hit three, went onto the green. Uh, on number eight, the uphill par five, usually like about 570 uphill. Yeah, uh, the one where Tiger hit that sling and hook to like six feet and made it like whatever, four years yes, ago. That was sick. Exactly. Uh, Bryson had six iron into that green. See, that's gnarly. And uh, he had a soft nine iron or full pitching wedge into the par five 15th. See, like, just think about that, right? Like, that's what Tiger did in 97. I think Tiger hit sand wedge into 15 and 97. So it's like, yeah, like, we're. Like we could see like that something like that of equal like weight could happen this week. Right, but Tiger's uh, balls are also much bigger than Bryson's. So I, I feel like it's it just it, make, it makes more sense when Tiger does something like that. Exactly, and Bryson might actually do it, dude. And it seems like I think it's, I think it's 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 for sure his to lose. And you, it's like that's the only thing that everyone's gonna be watching, right? Like I'm not the only thing, but like that is the number one thing everyone's gonna check in on. Everyone wants to see where Bryson is because for sure. Because, dude, he's like, I don't know, man. He's, he's riveting television. That's the thing. It's like, it, it's one of the things. Riveting. It's, he's riveting. It's, it's one of those things where, like, I'm not, I am never rooting for the guy, but I can't stop watching. 
I watch every time. I'm like, I'm so curious. I'm like, what is he doing? Like, what is he actually? He doing? is one of the best things that's happened to the PGA Tour in a long time. Because again, it, it, you know, it, whether you like him or hate him, you got to watch. It, it's just like he's doing shit that just nobody is like, you know. It, and a lot of us are kind of hate watching it. Me included. I'm kind of like, oh, I hate everything about what he's doing, but I just can't look away. So, oh, what is he doing? So, yeah, it'll be very interesting. Um, I I don't know if he's changing his club setup other than the 48-inch driver. I know Phil, um, aside from putting that 47-and-a-half-inch driver in his bag, uh, he's also going to be putting some Callaway Epic Forged short irons into his bag. He's used those as his mid- and long irons for a while. They're actually usually for higher handicappers. They have a little bit more cavity back in them. Uh, Mickelson, let's see here. This is a quote from Adam Shupak uh, piece on Golf Week. Uh, Mickelson ex- uh, also explained why he's switching to the Callaway Epic Forge short irons, a model he already used for his long and mid irons. Mickelson said it's due to the fact that Augusta National mows its fairways from green to tee, making the ball sit down on the fairways and causing him to, quote, catch it a groove low. <laughs> is Phil a savant or is Phil just kind of jerking us around right now? I, I can't really tell. Dude, he's jerking us around. He's okay. not going to do anything, dude. He's not going to do anything. Like, I don't believe... I I believe that he believes that statement. Okay. But, like, I don't think that the change is going to yield him playing any better golf this week than what I thought he was going to... He's going to play... He's not making the cut. He's not, he's not making the cut. Just, <laughs> oh, that's so great. When, uh, we do podcasts with, uh, with, with Jess... You know, he's got his no fucking chance list. And when I talk to him next week, I was like, Phil Mickelson, he's going to say, no fucking chance. Dude, I, I'm predicting Phil it right Mickelson now. Phil is, is perennially, I'm officially, like, I, Phil Mickelson is on the no fucking chance list for the rest of his PGA Tour career. Like, <laughs> the, you, the, I'm saying it right now. He's never winning Dude. again. He's never winning a major again. He's never winning on the PGA Tour again. It's it's done. I'm kind of with you, but it also is like, I can't fucking believe he won last year. Like, didn't he win the Pro-Am at Pebble Beach in 2019? Or was that 2018? I don't know. Did he? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. <laughs> this, this this election is making me wonder, do I even know anything? I, is, is, is water wet? I, I can't tell. Good for him that he won. He's not, he, dude, he's not good anymore. Like, he's yeah. not good enough to compete on the PGA Tour anymore. He hits it too wild, and the other guys are too good. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right, man. All right. Let's, let's let's move off Phil. Let's move off Bryson here for a second. Let, let's hit a couple of these storylines that I'm actually kind of curious to get your take on, my friend. Uh, the first one, fans. Obviously, this thing's t- taking place later in the year, but there are still going to be no fans due to the pandemic. Um, and my first question to you is, uh, right off, you know, just for first impression, what what is your first take on, like, how is the no fans at the Masters going to impact the tournament, specifically, like, the play of the tournament? Uh, or do you think it won't have an impact? I, I, I don't know. So I think that I think, I uh, yes, I think it will have an impact and I think it'll have a fun, funny impact. I'm sure Augusta of all the golf courses that the PGA tour plays with any regularity. I'm sure they think the most about where they put their fans and where they put the grandstands says to have the least impact on play, right? Like if someone hits a bad shot, they want to penalize them. If someone hits a good shot, they want to reward them. They want to like, I'm sure they set up grandstands in a way where if you make the worst mistake on a hole, it will not it will be penalized. That being said, dude, I bet you without grandstands and fans, we're going to see some shots that we've never seen before. For example, hole eight, that par five that's kind of uphill to the left. Right. And then there's the big mounds to the right of the green. The Mm -hmm. green has a lot of slope. And then there's always a grandstand long and right. Uh, the chances that anybody ever hits it long and right on that hole are slim to none because most of the time people have to 
rope a three wood or two iron to get there and they have to hit it hard. Right. But without the grandstands and with guys like Bryson hitting bombs, I wonder like <laughs> if we're going to see more things like that, where if someone does miss it like long and right on eight or, um, I can't even think of another example, like way right on 15, which I can't imagine anyone doing, but imagine if someone misses it 40 yards right on eight on 15. Like, I've never seen that shot hit before, right? Like, I've never seen that shot hit before. Like, if someone airmails the green on 18, like, it's not going to hit someone's shin, you know? Like, what do they what do they do if they're 15 past uh, the pin on 18 to a back pin, right? Like, those are all things that I feel like you never really see. And so I think they'll... I don't think you're going to see a lot of those shots, but I think there will be a few of them uh, that will be fun and different and something interesting to watch. But I think, yeah, I think it'll affect it that way. I, I bet... And I bet... Uh, I bet players will not know what's going on more too. Like the Augusta roars or such yeah. a thing. I bet you people are going to have no idea what's going on. And I bet you the winner will say that he's like, Oh, I'm so used to hearing when someone makes an Eagle on 13 and this year I didn't hear anything. And Abraham answered Eagle 13 and 15 and now has the lead on 17. And we just never even knew it was coming. Yeah, totally. And, and, and for me, the first thing, first of all, great points all, all, all across the board. The first thing that was coming to my mind is I wasn't even thinking so much about like how it'll actually physically impact the play in terms of like your your example on number eight where guys can just send it out to the right you know on on the second shot if they're trying to hit a three wood just to give themselves you know pin high off to the right which they wouldn't have an option to before. For me, my mind immediately went to like the nerves, right? Because I know obviously these guys are now probably sadly getting used to not playing in front of fans, you know, given that they've been doing it for months and months now, but. For me, I feel like the Masters, more than any other tournament, really rattles guys. And it demands that players, like, rise to the occasion, rise to the moment, and, like, overcome just this incredible pressure that is put on by the fans, the moment, Augusta National, the history, and everything else like that. Like, for example, do you think Jordan Spieth dunks it into Ray's Creek without... 3,000 fans sitting right behind the 12th tee in 2016 or, yes. or 2015. Like, yeah, okay, like, okay, yeah. <laughs> All right, that's a bad, bad example, right? But, like, I mean, that's it's like it, these, it, someone's coming around, like, on, you know, amen corner, right, with the chance to maybe win their first Masters where they would have thousands and thousands and thousands of people watching them. The roars are going on, right? And all these people, all these eyeballs are on them. Do you think the lack of those people reduces the kind of pressure that's going to be on those guys as they're trying to close in the back nine on Sunday? My heart wants to say no. My heart wants to say that everybody that is at the Masters understands the gravity of the situation and cares equally as much as I think I would if I was in that situation. So I think that the I think the fans add to it, but I don't I think that these guys all feel it as well and they feel it very heavily. Uh, so I don't know if that will I think I think for some reason, I think the Masters is the one event. It's j- equally as unique. People, you heard guys like Jason Day saying they had a hard time getting up for the U.S. Open. I don't think guys will have a hard time getting up for the Masters. In turn, on that same point, I bet you we will see higher quality shots because of the less fans. I bet you there will still be nerves. I bet you they will still be nervous. I bet you... They will still be feeling all of the emotions the same, and I think the way it'll affect it the most, I think you might just see, if fans truly play an impact, I bet you you'll see some people do some crazy stuff. Like, when was the last time the winner at Augusta, like, hit, bur- like birdied 12 and hit it inside six feet? 
Like, I feel like that, like that, like you never see that. And I feel like if any year you see that, it, this is the year where like some guy That's in the final point. group or the second to the final group, like he's still nervous and he still wants to hit a good shot on 12 and all the implications are exactly the same. But I bet you someone this year or whoever wins it this year, I want, I bet you like they have a much higher chance this year of hitting a shot to like a foot on 12, you know, and For just sure. being like, all right, there we go. Like brush in the two and let's, let's go to 13, you know, I bet you like the, like, I bet you we will see things in that realm. Like that's, yeah. I think that's how it will show up and be presented, and like how you will notice it on TV. That's a really good point. Yeah, I I, I tend to agree with you. I, for me, the no fans thing, and I, I don't know based on what we've seen from this gentleman over the last couple months. There's no real legitimate reason to think that he's going to have a chance to win, other than the fact that he is the defending champion of this tournament. But I feel like the the lack of crowds. The person it's going to affect the most is Tiger Woods. In a situation where he was competitive this year and he was in the running, the lack of crowd, not so much because Tiger's never phased by the crowd, but the way that a crowd rallies behind Tiger and just puts all and that that same crowd that is behind Tiger then puts all this crazy weird energy on everybody else and makes it so much more difficult and it just feels like there's, you know, 500 pound weights on the shoulders of the guys that are trying to catch or go up against tiger that if there's any kind of a scenario where tiger is in the running right on sunday which granted based on the way what we've seen from him the last couple tournaments i think we can all agree that's unlikely not impossible but unlikely um but if tiger's in the running on sunday that's where i feel like the no fans thing would be felt the most because it, it just that energy that comes with a sunday at augusta peep tigers in the mix and it's just just tense, man. You could cut it with a butter knife. And it's just like that not being there, that that's where I think it would make the be most noticeable if that situation were to arise. I d- did not think of that, but I love that point. I absolutely love that point. I think you're right. I think you're one thousand percent right. Dude, because the man feeds off the crowd. Like where a lot of other players maybe would be like, all right, you know, like Tiger Tiger wants ten thousand people watching him at all times. He's like Watch me fucking stripe the shit out of this two iron to five feet with 10,000 eyeballs on me. All right. And then you go ahead and match that. Right. Like, you, you just, just go ahead and try. It's like, no, nobody else can do that because Tiger's one of one. Right. Like, so I, I don't know. Are, are there any other players that you can think of that kind of bring a similar energy where they want the crowd and they want all the pressure and that, like, by not having the crowd, that maybe it could be a detriment to them? I, Ian I, Coulter. I, I, <laughs> Ian Poulter. I mean, that guy. If no anybody, doubt. Yeah, that guy, like, and I bet you there's an element of that to all of them. Like every single one of those guys is cocky. Every single one of those guys want. Like, there's guys that probably want it less, but man, there. I think most of those guys. I bet you even guys like uh, Mark Leishman. You know, I bet you they. Uh, I bet you they really want like the fans there too. Like they feed off that. Like they. I bet you. I don't know. I think I think you're right. I think Tiger is the one with the most effect on it, but I bet you there's other guys too that really are going to struggle with not having like not having the ability to basically show off for people. For sure. Yep. Um, let's see here. Any other uh, any other notes or, uh, or or takes you got, man, regarding like the no fans aspect of the uh, of the tournament? I heard that the members normally at Augusta wear their green jackets during the week of the Masters because mm-hmm. they essentially act as like glorified ushers, even if they're not ushers, right? Yes. They're, the green jacket is like a symbol of like, hey, where can I get a beer? You know, and the guy's like, oh, bro, around the corner you can go get a beer. Uh, this year, they're they're going to be allowed on property, and they are not wearing their jackets. Fun fact. 
So they don't want they don't want to stick out like a sore thumb. So that's I thought that was a funny fact that huh. I saw uh, about the no fans. Um, I wonder what the media room will be like. They built that badass media room that's like full of all the state of the art newest stuff. I wonder that'll still have some kind of like buzz around it. Uh, I wonder. Yeah, that's pretty much it on the fans. At play, and we talked about how it would affect play and what guys will have a hard time getting up, but I think that's pretty much the extent of how the fans will have and the lack of fans will have an impact on this year's tournament. Yeah, for sure. This month. I would agree. Uh, let, let's go to time of year weather. How do you think the tournament being contested in November is going to affect the golf tournament? Um, so here's some fun weather facts for you. I, 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 by the way, I love fun weather facts. So I'm glad this wasn't even premeditated, right? You, you've just really, just you, you're throwing 104 right now, man. You're, you're crushing it. So please continue. So the average temperature in November is 67 compared to 77 in April. Oh. Okay. I don't know. I'm not Bryson, so I don't know how much cold weather affects the ball flying <laughs> long distances. But I mean, I'm sure it has to. So I think that will play into Bryson's hand. If you're the longest in when it's 100 degrees out, you're going to be the longest when it's 60 degrees out. Mm-hmm. When And I think it matters more to be the longest when it's 60 than it does to be the longest when it's 100, right? So I think right. that I think that point alone, again, only bolsters Bryson's case to win this year. I think that that's a huge factor. Um, and then another thing, I the only thing I'm going off of is what San Diego is like. And I don't know if San Diego is anything like Georgia, but in San Diego during the fall and winter, uh, our courses get faster. They're a little soggier in the fairways, but the greens are faster because they're really, really healthy. And like you can, they're watered, but you can suck the water out of them. So they end up being very firm and very fast. If Augusta is going to be like that, then that's actually got room to be wild. Because think about it. If guys are hit if the ball's not running as much in the fairway but the greens are faster and firmer then you're having longer clubs in to harder greens to hit so right. i think that could be a big way that weather affects it um cold weather absolutely annihilates the players at augusta so in 2007 do you remember how cold it was in 2007 is that trevor emmelman's year zach johnson's zach year he johnson's won lane okay he won he won at one over par Tiger didn't shoot around in the 60s for four days. Shot two rounds of even par on the weekend after a 75 and like a 73 or 71 or something. Yeah, so like, and no, there was no rounds in the 60s, uh, or very few rounds in the 60s. Zach Johnson shot a 69 on Sunday. Retief Goosen and Rory Sabatini, they shot 69s on Sunday, and that was the top three on the leaderboard. Uh, But it was cold. The winning score was one over. Guys were not, guys really, really struggled with the cold temperatures, and the greens were equally as fast as they are in other Masters years, but people were hitting longer shots in to the point where Zach Johnson, like I said, laid up on every par five and won that week. So I think there is, if it's anything like 07, I think we're going to see high scores, and I think um, the premium is going to be put on, on again, like I think, I think if it's cold, it just plays more into the hands of the guys who hit it long because yeah. then their advantage is that much more important, right? And that and has that much more of an impact on the play. For sure. So... I th- I I think I would like I think it'd be kind of fun to see that. Uh, I think it would be interesting. I think it would be different, uh, but I don't think it's particularly going to affect the winning score, because DJ or Bryson, you know, like they, they're still going to have wedges in all day, right? Yeah. Like they're still yeah, going to have. They're wedges. still they're still going to be matching. So, 
Uh, totally agree with you on all you know, on all fronts there. I, I got an uh, interesting little quote here, uh, again from Adam Shupak uh, on Golf Week. And this is Phil Mickelson uh, talking about the November Masters. Ready for this? So, quote, uh, per Phil Mickelson, quote, at about 6 o'clock at night, when the wind dies and you're going through Amen Corner without any wind, you can be much more aggressive and not have as big a fear of the wind swirling and, and pulling a ball into the water on 12 and 13 and 15 and so forth. And so you have a much better playing conditions the later you tee off in April. But because it's going to be dark by 5 o'clock, and I think we're set for a 3 o'clock finish, that may not be the case because the leaders are going to be going through the back nine with the swirling winds just like the rest of the field. And I think that you might see the winner come from a group that's maybe three or four groups ahead of the final pairing this year, end quote. Uh, again, is this Phil getting a little too far up his own ass, or do you think there's some validity to what he's talking about? I think there's a lot of validity to what he's talking about. I have no experience of Augusta, but all of those points make a lot of sense to me. Mm-hmm. Why, do, why do we have Phil Hart on today? I didn't know. I didn't know we were going to be talking that. Much I didn't. About I, when I when I was doing a little research and trying to find all like the masters, like you know, news and stuff like that, what I could, like Phil just seemed to be giving a lot more than everybody else. So that, that it, it's what we're dealing with. But yeah, Phil. I mean, I love it. To be fair, the, the man has won the tournament three times, so I'm I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and say, you know, all right, Phil, we'll 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 make it happen right now. It's it's fine. I think that's a really interesting point. I never once thought about the wind, how the wind affects. Like how the time of day affects the wind and how you play those holes. Yeah. I think that's – I think it's going to be hard, and I'm fine with it being hard. I think it's going to be sweet yeah. and fun to watch. Hard, hard, is, actually... hard is fine. I, I got no problem with hard. It makes I, for more riveting television. Exactly. Exactly. So I think that's a. I think that's great. I love how Phil – thank you, Phil, for offering that nugget of information. Phil really bringing his A game leading up to the Masters. Really, really good stuff there. Very, very pleased with Phil's takes. All right. I wonder. It... I wonder if then, I wonder if that disproves my idea earlier about like seeing someone hit it close on twelve. Uh, I wonder if that means that it's just going to be a, even that much harder, right? Like the that. I wonder if. Yeah, that's that might honestly Phil saying that might completely disprove my earlier point on twelve. Well, I mean, and here's the thing. What's crazy is like it may not make a difference because this is another one of the storylines here. You know, according to the National Hurricane Center, granted we're we're still almost a week away from this thing starting, but the National Hurricane Center is saying that a tropical storm by the name of Ida uh, could hit Augusta at some point during the tournament. So that could throw a wrench in everything. If I mean, if that... we're talking like a big tropical storm. I mean, who I mean, who knows? It could be a Monday, Tuesday. Fin- I mean. I have no idea what to expect with this, you know, weather-wise, man. We're, we're, we're in uncharted territory here. Is that an is that I-D-A or E-D-A? Like E-T-A. E-T-A. Or E-T-A. The E-T-A. Oh, E-T-A. wow. The hurricane storm E-T-A. 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 Yes, sir. E-T-A. I don't, what does a tropical storm entail? Like, what, like what, what, is, what, what is the differentiating factor between a tropical storm and a hurricane? Uh, does mm. the tropical storm have an eye? Can the leaders tee off and play through the eye? That would be lit. I have a lot of questions, and I don't have any answers. I I don't say, know I, I've got no answers for it. I, I wish, man, you know, this as as, fine, as good as my education at the Harvard or the West Chico State was, I, I don't have answers for you off the top of my head, so I'm going to have to do a little research and get back to you on that one. I hope, I hope, I hope weather does not play a factor in that regard. Yeah. I hope if it's cold, it makes it more difficult. I hope it doesn't delay rounds. I hope it doesn't make tea times weird i hope it just doesn't do anything i hope hurricane ita 
decides to not hit. I hope Ida just changes. chills out. All right. And yeah, I just, hope she it, changes her goddamn. She mind, just needs dude. to be mellow. Okay. Just just be mellow. You know that's that's all I'm asking for. Give give us a nice drizzle. I wouldn't be yeah. mad at a nice drizzles drizzle. Drizzles are fine. Drizzles are fine. A little bit of drizzles fine. I don't need I don't need a uh, I don't need gale force winds and yep. seven inches of rain in seven hours, dude. I don't need it. I don't need it. Yep. Don't don't need that whatsoever. Um. All right. Couple last little storylines here, man, before we hit odds, because I know we're, we're going to try to get going here and keep it somewhat brief here this evening. So, got a couple quick other storyline ones for you before we hit odds and get out of here, my friend. So, um, we, we touched on a little bit when we were talking about fans. I so I kind of let you know that I didn't think there was much chance based on what I was seeing. But does Tiger have any chance to defend his Masters title? No. I'm, I guess I I didn't realize how anti old guy I was on this pod. I'm not anti old guy. I love I love old guys. I love you're just my dad. shoving your youth in everybody's face right now. I, I mean, why you got to be this way? My youthful privilege is coming through right now. But no, dude, I don't think the old guys have any chance. The cold I don't think is going to help them. I don't think they Tiger hasn't shown me anything. And you know what, dude? I am fine. Like Tiger, I've, if I was that hard on Phil, I have to be that hard on Tiger. If Tiger never wins again, the what he gave me last year will literally like carry my golf fandom forever. Dude, forever. like that was literally the Couldn't greatest agree more. the greatest thing I've ever seen. So at this point, everything that Tiger does is the cherry on top. So I don't even want it's like a it's more fun to just watch and not expect anything from Tiger at this point because he already gave me everything I could have ever wanted out of watching a golf career and then some. Yeah. So I agree. do I think he has a chance? No, but that's I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. It's okay. He he did it, man. He climbed Mount Everest twice for do, no reason. Do you think he makes the cut? I mean, th- my heart says yes and my head says no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, that's fair enough. Um, uh, another little storyline here. Do you think a Masters in November with no fans is just what the doctor ordered for Sir Rory to finally complete the career Grand Slam? I don't know how much stock to put in the Rory plays good in cold weather because he's from Ireland, you know, since he's been yeah. living in Florida for his whole adult <laughs> life. But uh, He's a Jupiter guy. He's a Jupiter guy. He's a Jupe life, you know? Jupe life. Jupe life. Yeah. I don't know shit about Jupe life, but it must be nice. Um, yeah. <laughs> it seems nice. It doesn't uh, seem like a bad existence. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, dude, I could go hang out at the woods, Jupiter. Yeah. I bet you they pour stiff drinks there. I would, uh, ho- I would hope so. I would hope so. Uh, I think... I think Rory has a really good chance. And I think that the November Masters with no fans in an asterisk year might be just like a perfect concoction for him to play well, right? right? I he he's a little we'll, we'll dive into odds just a little bit. So he's the like tied for the second favorite. Okay. At plus 1100. So he's 11 to 1. Like you know, and, and I don't the thing know, is, the, I, think, the, I think he's got a really good chance. And, and, and he's got hey, a very good chance. I, I think last year at this time, going into the 2019 Masters, I think Rory was plus 850 or something like that. So his odds have dropped, and I feel like he's playing better now than he was going into the Masters in 2019. Rory, Rory doesn't get as much credit as he deserves because his floor is so good. Rory's ceiling is obviously world beater status, like the best we've ever seen. Yeah, Rory's floor when he plays like crappy is like T13 at a PGA tour event on a hard golf course. It's insane. And yeah, that's like, exactly right. That's, it's so well it, said. It's insane. Like everyone's like, dude, Rory sucks. He can't make putts. And it's like, well, maybe, 
You know he doesn't suck, dude. Like he doesn't suck. He's gonna finish eleventh this week and make six hundred thousand dollars, dude. So like, what do we, what are we really talking about? And everyone's like, oh, Rory's wedges suck. He doesn't. He only hits them to fifteen feet. And it's like, yeah, but, I mean, he hits he hits it to two feet on a par five with a five iron in his hand. So okay, yeah, if he hits one wedge to twelve feet and makes par on the short par four, but then makes three on the par five, who cares? Like he still he played those holes in two under. Like what does it matter? You know. Uh, so yeah, I I think I am rooting desperately for Rory. I want yeah. to see him complete the career grand slam. Back to the same point about Bryson, right? At that point, you're rooting for history, and I think Rory is on top of the fact that we'd be rooting for history with his win. It's also like an incredibly likable, fun, awesome, amazing person to watch play golf. Mm-hmm. He's play his game is gorgeous when he play when he's playing well. It just seems like so easy, and it just seems like everything goes right. He makes the right decisions and then makes the 30 footer when he plays to the middle of the green and then takes on the chances and then stuffs it on the par five. Like it's when he's playing good, it just feels like everything is just going so perfect. So it's always fun to watch Rory Wren. I would love to see him do it. I think it would be great. And I think that the November Masters with no fans during COVID might be his best chance since, you know, he had a three shot lead going into the back nine in 2010 uh, or whatever yeah, that was. That one, 2011. Yeah. Mm. 2011, 2011. Yeah. So, all right. Well, you know, I I, I, I hate to bring this thing to a, a grinding halt, but I, I have to ask the question, my man, because because since it is 2020, and so far, you know, while there have been some good things that have come out of 2020, I think we can all universally agree that it hasn't been anybody's favorite year, you know, th- th- thus far. And, and there's generally been a lot of things that have bummed people out throughout this year. We had you know COVID or everything else that's going on, and. My question to you is, is the most 2020 outcome of this tournament that Patrick Reed brings home his second green jacket? And if so, at 28 to 1, how good do you feel about that happening? It would be the most 2020 COVID thing ever. He he gave me the biggest scare at the U.S. Open at Wingfoot. <laughs> I was so nervous. After day I, one or two, you're like, God, could, please, this can't be real, can it? It's dude, no. uh, and then like through day two, he was balling out, dude. I was, I found myself actively and aggressively rooting for Bryson, which I almost <laughs> never do. I was so anti Patrick Reed doing it, and I wanna know what he did, dude. He faltered. Yeah. He flustered. Big time. He made bogeys. He made doubles. He didn't get things up and down like he normally does. He missed putts. He just kind and Justine of will tell apart. you it's not the first time, bro. Exactly. And it just kind of fell apart for him. And he's not playing any better. He hasn't shown me any form in the last couple of weeks to say that he's improved upon his game since Wingfoot. Obviously, Wingfoot and Augusta are very different, but I think that it was evident at Wingfoot that he's just you know, 10% off, right? He's just off enough to where he won't win the major. Sure. I think he, I wouldn't be surprised if he contended or something like that, but I just think he's just off enough to where he's not going to win the major. So I don't think I'll be as scared as I was at winged foot. If he's in contention. Okay. Uh, I just, I just don't think he just seems off. He just seems off dude. And he has to hit a cut at Augusta and he can't do that very well. He had it rolling for a few days at winged foot, but then it just fell apart because that's not his natural buff flight and he can't do it. So like I don't think I don't think we're gonna see that happen. I would be very surprised. I would be 
very surprised if he won. I'd be equally surprised if Phil made the cut or if, if Patrick Reed won. Those were equal levels of, su- of surprised. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Well, with that, my man, let's let's jump in the last little bit here. You 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 are the man with all of the odds sitting in front of you. So I, I'm curious to hear your takes on some of these odds. What's looking good to you? Kind of what are you seeing in terms of if, if we're ready to put a little put a little capital down on this uh, on this golf tournament? Where 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 does your eye kind of gravitate to on the odd sheet? I well, first things first, Bryson. You you can't not. You, what, dude, he's, what are his odds he, right now to to he's win? The favorite, he's the favorite at plus eight hundred. Okay, at plus like, eight hundred. Okay. I, dude, why not? Why not, dude? He had he literally has the best chance. Like, why wouldn't you do that, right? Like, so you're not worried much at all about this whole not having access to a green reading book, which he normally relies on quite a bit, because. Yeah, a no, lot I of did. people have said that his because he has not played well or finished well, I should say, at Augusta the last couple of years, in big part is because his putting's been really poor, and people do kind of tend to gravitate and kind of you know make the correlation that it is because he doesn't have the resource that he usually relies on. You, you you're not buying into that too much. It sounds like no, I'm not buying into it. Okay. He was the number one putter at Winged Foot with a green book, yes, but like if Bryson is hitting bombs, and then is the tenth putter. Like tenth best putter, he doesn't even have to lead the field. He's just the tenth best putter, twelfth mm-hmm. best putter. He's not a bad putter, right? Like he had an like an awesome week at Wingfoot, but like he's he's not a bad putter, right? So even if the greens book affects him enough to drop ten or fifteen spots, like if Bryson's leading the field in driving distance and driving accuracy, and then you know in the top twenty percentile. Of putting, like mm-hmm. how, you mean to tell me he's not going to be in it, dude? He's going to be right. He's he will be, be in it. Right. If that's the case for sure. He'll, yeah, he'll be right there. You know, he'll be right there. And that goes back to my earlier point about the wedges, right? So it's like, you know, he he's gonna he's got a good chance of hitting a bunch of them close, and some of those putts are going to go down, even if he's not putting the best of anybody. It's still it's still going to yield him being in contention. So I think Bryson is the favorite, which is like is the favorite, and and is definitely worth putting some shekels on. Um, as far as the other guys that are in the favorite category mm-hmm. uh rory we talked about him earlier we love him at plus 1100 for sure i love dj at plus 1200 dj's playing dj great at golf. plus 1200 is fascinating to me because especially before his COVID 19 thing towards the end of that pga tour season i mean was anybody playing better golf than dj nobody was nobody was playing better golf than dj and he's like he's in I don't know. He's just he's just really good, dude. And I'm you know about the Sagarin rankings. Like he's third on the Sagarin rankings right now, so he's playing as good as anybody in the world. He's playing unbelievable, and mm-hmm. he's and he's number one player in the world. Like he's, dude. It's hard. It's hard not to like DJ. And I feel like this. I don't know. I feel like this. This could this year. This could be. This his could be year, it, man. Like, this could be the year he finally gets a green jacket. I, I think it's totally just like possible. Rory. Just like Rory, like you were saying earlier, you know, where it's like, could this be the year? This this has got a lot of feelings of a DJ win, also, right? Like yeah. Because DJ doesn't get up for anything, right? So he's another one of those guys where the no fans, thousands of fans, one fan, Augusta, green jacket, gold jacket, who gives a shit? Like DJ's, that's, that's DJ's whole, whole energy. So that this whole thing might, might just like uh, it's perfectly executed, well perfectly done for him. Oh uh, so, yeah, you know I think that it might just it might it, it, this a lot of things point to him. So I I like him a lot, and the, the, those are like the the favorites. The favorites are guys under. Like uh, two, like plus two thousand, right? Like sure. plus, under twenty to one. Uh, there's seven of them. I like Bryson, DJ, and Rory. Yeah. I think those are the guys. The other guys filling out that are JT, John Rahm, Xander, and Brooks. We already talked about Brooks. I think Brooks is out. Um, Xander, I think is great, but I don't, he's, it's starting to get to that point with Xander where it's 
do it, do it, and then I'll start. And then you know, I just I need to see it. You know, I I mean, I need to see it exactly. I need to see it. I need to see it. And then John Rom like is great and everything. And John Rom will be in contention. And I think John Rom, I would, I would probably bet on John Rom to be in the top ten. What I don't know what those odds are, but I think I would hammer that one. John Rom in a top ten, but for some reason it just doesn't feel like his year. Um, And then JT, I got a lot of question marks about him. He's really good, but he's just like. He's weird. He's weird, you know. He's really good. But he's there's there's always He's good, but weird, he's weird, man. There's some weird things happening in his game. Like, you know, sometimes he does weird shit where he'll miss it really bad and make doubles and just he's just like he's just, I don't you know. You just want to see him there. a little more dialed in. A little more dialed in. Exactly. Okay. I want to see him a little more dialed in. So the favorites, like I said, Bryson, DJ Rory, those are my guys on the favorite spectrum. Interesting. So I know we we obviously know Joaquin Neiman is out of it. He had to withdraw for COVID reasons. Do any of the young guns strike you as having a chance to win this golf tournament between like Morikawa or Matt Wolf or any, anybody, any of the, 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 you know, the young, the young, young guns, basically, I should say, because a lot of these best players in the world are still, you know, younger than 26 years old. But I mean, from those guys that are in the 21 and underclass, do you, does, do you think any of them have a shot to take this thing? Uh, of course, of course they have a shot. They are arguably, they all have a shot. I am Matt Wolf a, hasn't done anything except finish in the top three majors this year. So I mean, it, it, it's you got you got to at least think maybe, maybe I I am out on Colin Morikawa. I love Colin Morikawa. I think he's the best out of all the young guns. I don't even think it's close. But he won his major this year. Like, you can't. I'm not putting. I'm, I'm giving him four majors till I start putting money on him again. You know, okay. it was like to win to win. To win two majors out of in a year, basically, right? Like, the, let's say he wins the PGA and a Masters. That's that's, that's insane. Like, yeah, that's go to legendary stuff. Like all of a sudden, those conversations start happening. So again, would love to see it, but like I, I'm not, I'm not betting on him till it's been at least a year. Till he's at least defended the PGA. Once he defends the PGA, then I think he'll have under, like you know, he'll have done more on the PGA Tour. He'll have lived as a major champion for longer. Like for all sure. of those things will start to feel more normal, and I think he'll it'll come back around. Because you saw it at the U.S. Open, so many people were like. Oh, Colin's gonna light winged foot on fire. Classic golf course. He's gonna play great. He didn't play that great. You know, mm-hmm. it's the major hangover. It's the the expectations of more media. All of those things. Your life changes a bunch. So yeah, big time. Colin Morikawa. I'm throwing him out not because I don't like his game and not because I don't think he's the best out of that group. I just think that it's still too close to that maiden victory and 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 we'd be asking a lot for him to win two majors in a year. That is that is a huge ask, right? Yeah. Um, Matt Wolf, I, I think there's always a chance. I think Victor Hovland won't do it. He cuts the ball with the driver. Mm-hmm. He's not the best short game in the world. Like I just don't think that he's he's got it this year. Not to say that he won't have it in future years, but I think that he we can throw him out just like we threw out Colin Morikawa. Matt Wolf is very interesting. I'm What's leery. up? Uh, off the top of here, do you know do you know what Matt Wolf's odds are? Yeah, he's at plus twenty eight hundred. Okay. So All he right. would and him and Morikawa both at plus twenty eight hundred. Other uh, a lot of people at twenty eight hundred. Patrick Reed is there, Tyrrell Hatton, Webb Simpson. There's six guys at a twenty eight hundred right all, there. And, and all guys that are definitely capable of winning, you know, if, if things if things shake out right. But yeah, that's wow, yeah. interesting. Out of those guys, I like Webb Simpson the most. I know we're not talking about Webb right now, we're still talking about young guns, so I want to finish the young guns thing before yep, we dive into that. But but uh yeah, Matt Wolf at 2800 is intriguing, but I think it's really hard to play good in back-to-back majors, dude. It's really, really hard, especially as a young guy. Like, or back-to-back-to-back to back majors. You know? Exactly. Like, yeah. that's a very difficult thing. So I don't, I don't know. Um, I don't know if Abraham Answer counts as a young guy. He's in his 20s. I, I mean, yeah, I, I'm. 
he's not like you know he's not 20 21 years old like those guys but i mean you know he hasn't been around for that long and especially you know for the casual golfer you know casual golf fan not a lot of people know who abe answer is so you can say he's new slash young you know in, to a, in in the year of asterisks i'm saying i'm putting abraham answer in my young guys category with an asterisk good call yeah wait, 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 yeah the, <laughs> a liberal use of the asterisk which i think is, is a great call on your part exactly i yeah. think abraham answer at plus eight thousand is my my pick of the younger guys right I like, like really i like that really a lot. good really good short game like doesn't hit it far but is very precise really good with his wedges and will if i you know if, if it becomes a tournament about positioning off the tee and positioning to attack holes uh i think he'll be able to do that very very well and he's liable to make a lot of putts he balled out at royal melbourne also a mckenzie golf course yeah. for the president's cup played great, great gave yeah gave a lot of people hell played awesome i think he's just good on this style of golf course and i think that he's primed for a good result in a major. He hasn't really had many. Um, he's playing great. And I think he's just got like, he's just a really good wedge player, a really good putter. And if the ball is going a little bit shorter than normal, because of all the factors that we've talked about earlier, I don't think it'll phase him that much. And I think he'll still be able to be gritty and compete. So liberally putting Abraham answer in my young guy category, but I think he's the, I think he's my out of all the youngish guys. He's the one that I would, I would put the most, stock into interesting that's a, that's a great take uh and so if we're talking long shots anybody with longer odds that uh that catches your fancy that uh you might be willing or you know wanting to put a couple of shekels on to maybe see if you can't cash out on a, on a long shot i like mark leishman i always like mark uh, leishman yeah 125 to one i love mark leishman Ooh, plus okay you know, yeah 12,500. I really, really like him. And like Adam Scott, those guys that come from the Australian Sandbelt, they, they got a pretty good idea how to play these McKenzie courses. That's, 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 that's a great call. Yeah, I like Leash. It's hard not to like Leash. He's so good at the Masters. He's mm -hmm. just so solid all the time. He's fucking long, too. He's really long. His short game's great. He's not in great form right now, but as far as those long guys, he's the one that really calls out to me because also in that 125 to 1 area, You've got Stenson, Brendan Todd, Cam Smith, Danny Willett, Kisner. Like, not a lot of those Masters guys. Masters champion Danny Willett. Danny Show, Willett. Put some respect on his name, bro. I should. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Danny Willett, if you're listening. I apologize. Uh, we, we don't respect Danny Willett on here. That was a joke. I'm sorry. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, but, yeah, the, I mean, none of those guys really call out to me. And then if you just go, like, another tier down, right at the uh, plus 1,500, you've got Brandt, Billy Ho, Charles Schwartzel, Matt Wallace, Sebastian Munoz. None of those guys are really calling out to me. Plus, you know, 20,000, Corey Connors, Adam Hadwin. None of these guys really are – none of them are tickling my fancy, right? Like none of them are really giving me anything. So I think the I think the cutoff for the winner is that – like the last winner that looks enticing for me I think is at plus 10,000, and that's Cameron Champ at plus 10,000. Okay. I think he's the last, like, that's about as low as I'm looking at, like, the, the odds. That's about as far down as I'm willing to go for a winner, which, okay. I mean, obviously, that's why they're, the odds are good, right? <laughs> yeah, but, like, exactly. I think I think that, like, there's, <laughs> I think that it's, I think this year specifically with the weather and everything that's going on, I think the long shots have an even longer shot than, than in other years. Got it. All right, man. So, with all that being said, if we're putting the odds aside, last thing before we, uh, we, we bid you adieu for the evening. Throw the odds out. Who's your pick to win? Patrick Cantlay. Oh, I love it. What are what are Pat's odds, by the way? Pat's Pat's at tw uh, plus twenty five hundred. Okay, so he's uh, he's up there. 
Yeah. Balling out. Just won the Zozo in yep. cool weather on the West Coast. And probably uh, the the best top 10 golfer in the world that the casual golf fan doesn't pay any attention to. Exactly. I think there's a lot of value in Cantley. Other things. So it'll be his fourth Masters. Uh, in his first two Masters, he did not break 70, right? Hmm. Missed the cut in 2018, and then in 2012 as an amateur, made the cut, but did not break 70, like I said. Uh, 2018, missed the cut, 75-76. Last year, 2019, started off poorly with 73-73, then came back with 64-68 to finish in the top 10. So he clearly seems to have figured out how to play Augusta. And it's what right, you were talking like about he, earlier on the podcast, saying the guys maybe take a few years to sort of really get their bearings, you know, straight and, and basically start to figure the golf course out. I, I like where you're going here. And Patrick Cantley's kind of followed the the old golf professional professional golfers model, right? Where like the old model used to be, you came out on the PGA Tour after college at some point in your early to mid twenties, right? Like it was very common to see 26, 27 year old rookies, right? Mm -hmm. Then you kind of took two or three years to learn the golf courses. And then you kind of peaked in your early thirties, right? Like they say that the golfer's peak is like 28 to 35 because you're still in your physical prime, but then your mental game is strong and you're familiar with the courses and you're familiar with the whole rigmarole. So that's when you start to like get comfortable winning. Patrick Cantley seems to have kind of taken that route, not so much because of, you know, lack of talent, but more so, I mean, injuries, he had back injuries. So he had to sit out a couple of years. Um, he hasn't won as many times as other players. He's only got three wins on tour, but his wins continue to get more bigger and more important. Right. And and plays well in big tournaments, you know, exactly. Contends when it matters, always is putting himself there. I, I think that he's just primed for a breakout. He's 28. It'll be his fourth Masters. He's a killer. He thinks he's better than everybody on tour. He's got that kind of like, like chip that. on his shoulder that no one's talking about me. Uh, but he's also just balling out of control right now. So I, I think Patrick Cantlay, I think Patrick Cantlay's quietly going to win this year's Masters. And I, 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 I'm, I'm, I think he's the only guy that could really give Bryson a really good run for his money if Bryson's playing good. Um, for some reason, I feel like Patrick Cantlay is like annoying you know i feel like he actually might annoy bryson like bryson annoys everybody on earth but i think like bryson might be really annoyed with cantlay because i don't know patrick cantlay was a stud collegiate golfer but does it totally opposite of how bryson does it and you know if matt wolf and bryson were paired in the final group at winged foot and i bet you there was a little bit of bryson in the back of his mind that thought like oh this guy's gonna try to outbomb me like i'll outbomb him like i'll show him right i'm gonna beat him to death with my with my driver where like Cantley is not, like might not even look at Bryson if they're paired in the final round. He's just like, dude, I'm just gonna like. I like that energy. I'm I'm here for it. I, I I'm I would love to see it. Yeah, I feel like Bryson's got that dorky quality of trying to affect the players that he's with because he's trying so hard to be everything to everybody. So he's gonna try to like, I'm imposing my will on this tournament. I'm imposing my will on my group. I'm gonna I'm Bryson. And I think Patrick Cantley, if they get paired together, has could give a rat's ass what Bryson's doing. So. I've, out of all the guys in that group, I think Patrick does it just differently enough and just well enough to give Bryson a run for his money at this year's Masters, and that's why I'm picking him to win. God, I love it. Christopher, you're bringing heat tonight, brother. I, I got to tell you, this, it's awesome. I, I love the Pat Cantley, uh, Cantley pick. Uh, oh, man, I got, I got all sorts of stuff to think about, man. This, is, this has been awesome. Um, well, on that note, Chris, I, I got nothing else for you, brother. You've been so kick-ass tonight. I, I appreciate taking the time. Is there anything that you, you got going on or anything that uh, you want to promote to the, the fine listeners of the Golf Guide podcast before we say goodbye to you this evening? 
I've got nothing to promote right now. I'm just happy that everybody is listening. I'm happy. I'm hoping everybody is staying safe out there um, and sane. And I hope everybody is doing good. It has been a tough year for everybody, but it is it's coming to a close. And I don't know. I hope everyone's doing good. I hope everyone's doing much better than they were in April and May. And I hope even though it's hard and things are tough right now, I hope everyone is trending in the right direction. But I do have one last thing I want to say before we get off on this please, podcast. Please, please. And if this keeps the us floor here is for yours. another if this keeps us here for another couple minutes, I'm fine with it because I got nothing but time. Beautiful. If I was to tell you that you had the chance to play Augusta National, but there was a caveat to it, right? If you could play Augusta National. Initially, I just day, want to say yes. No, yeah. The day after the Masters. So the Monday after the Masters. But the only way you'd get to play Augusta Nationals is if you had to ride your bike from where you're standing right now to Augusta. And you had to do it the week of the Masters so you could not watch any of the Masters. You could never watch highlights of the Masters. You could never watch YouTube videos of the Masters. If any time there was highlights on ESPN or Golf Channel of the 2020 Asterix Masters, you literally would suddenly go blind and deaf. So you couldn't see or hear anything ever, but you got to play it. Would you ride your bike to Augusta? I'm so happy you asked this because, by the way, full disclaimer to everybody, he asked me this question right before we started recording it, and I was like, that is one of the most brilliant questions I've ever heard. Please remember to ask it on the podcast. And I blanked on it until this very moment. So thank you very much. Um, I feel like I would do whatever I had to do to play Augusta. But then I think, man, I'm super unathletic. I'm in terrible shape. I feel like the bike ride, my fucking dick and balls would fall off after sitting on a seat for that long. Is it worth it? You they know, would. I, yeah, <laughs> they definitely would. Well, you know, would my wife still want to lay with me in the evenings if that's like, I, I, I don't know. So, but a chance to play Augusta National is something you can't really, I, I know it sounds crazy, but given your, given this criteria that you've laid out, oddly enough, my initial reaction is to say no, only because the Masters is like where my golf fandom hits a peak. And being deprived of that, is it worth one chance at playing it? I actually don't know. I oh god, I don't have a, I don't have a good answer for you. Do, do you have an answer? If I if I turn the table on you and ask you that same question, what, what what do you say? I would not do it. Same reasons. I love watching the Masters, and I I'm I would hope that another opportunity would present itself for me to play Augusta. Uh, and I hope it wouldn't require me riding my bike. Riding 2,400 miles on bike while missing the golf tournament seems like a real, a real pain in the ass. I, that being said, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, I think, yeah, I think it's a huge pain in the ass. I think that is the only, the, the reason I, the way I came up with it, I think that is the only way on earth that I would say no to playing right? Augusta, right? <laughs> like, that's like, like, I was, I was trying to think, I was like, is there any, is there any way where I would not play Augusta, right? Is there any situation where I wouldn't play? Like, what would what would it take for me to say no to playing Augusta National? And, I mean, the easiest thing is, like, well, you have to walk there, but, like, I wanted to take it to the next level, and I was like, well, what if I had to ride my bike? And so, like... I'm I not think, much of a think, cyclist. Yeah, exactly. I'm, exactly. I'm, not, I'm <laughs> no Lance. So I just feel like that's... Yeah, I feel like that's one of the only ways that I would ever say no to playing Augusta, because I think that... 
yeah, I'd, I'd just, I, yeah, I'd say yes. I'd say yes in, in 99 out of 100 times. And I guess the one time out of 100 is if you make me ride a bike and not watch the Masters. Yeah, and there's a, there's, a, there's another little element of it where, like, there's part of it, like, what makes Augusta so charming is the fact that I haven't played it. So I have all these ideas of what I would do when I played it, where once the reality comes and I play and I card a 94, and then I just have to think about all the shitty golf shots and how many balls I just went absolutely full send right in the tributary. I'd be watching it. It would just every time I'd watch it to the master of that, just scar tissue would be getting brought up. I'd be like, oh god, it hurts still to see it all. So there's a little part of me that almost kind of likes that it's still the unknown. That it's like I still get to dream about what I would do out there. Credit, like you said, if I had the chance to play it, I'm still going to do it. But there's there's a there's a part of me at right now, you know, living in denial and just into my own little fantasy that I, I kind of like. So. Great question, by the way. There's a world. There's just a world in which you'd say no. So for all those people that are having similar discussions with their buddies at the bar, where they're <laughs> yeah, like, "There's right. no way I would never not play Augusta, dude." Like there is actually. Yeah, get, get on, on the bike. Get on the bike and <laughs> ride two thousand miles and don't watch the Masters. Yeah, go, go, go ahead. Exactly. T- t- tell me you're gonna do that. <laughs> exactly. I dare you. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Well, on that note, Chris, you the man, brother. I I appreciate you taking the time, man. This has been awesome, and uh, I shit. I I hope we don't have to wait too long before we we can get to jump on and uh, and do this again. Definitely. Hopefully, yeah. I mean, I guess the whatever the next major is, we can all come back on and we can hash it out. I think the next major might be another little tournament called uh, the Masters. Oh, I think back is what to it back is. majors so, at Augusta National. Yeah, now I that think we might, yeah, we might get a little double dip action. Mm, certainly, like uh, I like the sound of that. All right, perfect. Well, until then, my man, have a great, great. Uh, I mean, I guess great off season golf wise. But hey, we're, we're, we live in California, so we get to play golf year round. So there is no off season. Exactly. Very Endless little summer, dude. It's the best. I'm not mad at it. Endless summer. And by the way, enjoy your time at Sweetens Cove here in a couple weeks. Very, very jealous. That is going to be rad, rad, rad. Very excited. I will make sure to wear a mask and a face shield and have hand sanitizer on deck. But yeah, I'm very excited about Sweetens Cove. Thank you. So uh, thank you again for having me on, man. Uh, Everybody stay safe out there and we'll talk to you all soon, I guess. Yes. All right. Adios, my friends. Mm -hmm.